Hello and welcome to Behind the Podcast. Opening music is Heat Haze by Lee Rosevear, off of Music for Podcast 2 by Lee Rosevear on Happy Puppy Records. Today we're going behind the podcast with a phone conference with Melinda Hemmelgarn, host of KOPN's Food Sleuth Radio. Hi, this is Behind the Podcast. I am here with Melinda Hemmelgarn of Food Sleuth. Hi. So could you tell us a little about your podcast? So Food Sleuth Radio is actually a uh, broadcast radio program. So it is produced in-house at KOPN Community Radio Station in Columbia, Missouri. And then we have some volunteers who work behind the scenes to record the show and make it available as a podcast. But it's mostly a radio program that airs every Thursday at 5 in Columbia, Missouri, and then it is syndicated through Pacifica, and it is posted on Audioport and then Public Radio Exchange, so other radio stations can download it. If they're Pacifica members, they can download it for free via the Pacifica Audioport, and then if they are not a member of Pacifica, they can download it through Public Radio Exchange. Or you can go online to iTunes, and you can download it there as a podcast, or you can download it as a podcast through KOPN. Okay, well, I I think what um, is going on there is really cool, like having the radio show format and then distributing it as a podcast. Like, um, just a really great way to get everything out there, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm indebted to the volunteers at the station who make that possible, because really all I do is I get to do the fun part, and that is interviewing people who I think can best connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture, and put together this enormous puzzle that is our food system. Yeah. So you're doing your podcast from the perspective of a dietitian, right? Well, I would say that I am a clinical dietitian by training, so I have that as a background, but I'm also very much an environmentalist in that I care deeply about the quality of our air and water and how food production and the larger food system impacts that. Okay, so can I ask just like a brief, like, how did you become a dietitian? Like, what was the the calling that happened there? I accidentally took a class in nutrition, and I fell in love with it. And I still feel that way. I was majoring in another, I was majoring in textile design. I was in the College of Home Economics. All the colleges of home economics have all had their names changed. They've all been changed to things that were supposedly more modern sounding, so human ecology or human environmental sciences. And then, uh, but it's still all the same, all the same uh, categories underneath that heading. So food science and human nutrition, is one of the categories is child development or human development is often under that same umbrella. Textile and apparel management is another one. Uh, Consumer economics is another one that's under that that college heading. But I took one course and I just was uh, blown away by how, how important food is and how we could prevent disease and cure disease through food. 
Unbelievably, I think that's a little bit like how I got into radio and podcasting. I just did summer volunteering at a little local radio station, and here I am. <laughs> so yeah. So did you do it at WDRT? Yes, I did. That is yeah. What a great station! And I am very happy and proud to say that WDRT airs Food Sleuth Radio. I have to give a plug to WDRT. Awesome! Just for our listeners, that is um, Driftless Radio for Viroqua WDRT. Exactly. In beautiful downtown Viroqua, Wisconsin. Yes. So um, what made you decide, how did you get into doing a radio show in this field and then doing a podcast in this field by virtue of it being distributed that way? So I have to go back a little bit and say that after my first job as a clinical dietitian, uh, I worked at a veterans hospital and I saw the ravages of war and poverty on health, on the health of veterans. And I decided that I wanted to get into prevention. So I went back to school and I got my master's in human nutrition and food systems. And I knew I wanted to work in extension. So I applied for a job at the University of Missouri in nutritional sciences extension. And then I, somewhere around the, along the line, I read an article that said that people don't really get their nutrition information from dietitians as much as they get it from the media. And I thought, well, then I need to be in the media. And I set up a nutrition communication center at the University of Missouri and had a wonderful team that I worked with to do news releases. I worked with radio and TV all over the state. And I went through training through the university on how to work with media. And and I, I dealt with a a whole radio team that worked with the university that put information out for radio stations to download. So I really like all forms of media. You know, I love working with TV. I love working with radio. I love working with print. I I just think it's a way to disseminate important information to the masses so that we can improve the quality of their lives. And that's really what my goal was. So I did that for, gosh, I worked in that field for 15 years, and I started to write a newspaper column during that time. I wrote a weekly newspaper column for 20 years, and then one day my newspaper editor said, hey, we're we're cutting a bunch of columns. The newspapers, something horrible happened to news around the country, and that is that a lot of the local newspapers lost their income source when Craigslist came on the market, and so they lost a lot of their revenue from the classifieds. And so the newspaper world was changing, and a lot of newspapers got smaller, they cut staff. If you look at the newspapers, say, in your own local community, say from 20 years ago versus what it looks like today, I think you'll see a totally different publication. So long story short, my editor decided to cut my newspaper column, and Shortly thereafter, the general manager for the community radio station saw me at our swimming pool. I love to swim. And he said, hey, do you want to do a show on KOPN? And I jumped at it because I am compelled to share information that can raise awareness and improve the quality of people's lives, help them from being duped, you know, into buying whatever the snake oil of the day might be, or the mm-hmm. diet du jour, I, I like to say. You know, people spend a lot of money on diets and dietary supplements, and 
sometimes the, that information can be helpful, but a lot of times it, it really just lightens their wallet. So I've always been a consumer advocate, so I wanted to get that a point that you know that that um, information out there. Yeah, and I completely. I also, I also did a fellowship. Um, in Food and Society through the Kellogg Foundation, and that's really where I became aware of agriculture and farm policy and how that affects public health through food systems. And so I decided that what I would do with the program is weave food, health, and agriculture, and of course that includes environment. And as I think I mentioned earlier, take all of these pieces of the puzzle and try to help it help help make them all make sense. Awesome. And I completely agree with you, you know, about the role and the importance of media as far as um, disseminating information. And it's a fun coincidence that the first radio show that I ever did was pretty similar. Some just Someone just came coming up to me out of the blue and saying, hey, do you want to do a show? Yeah. So of yeah. Course you and had... it's great to jump on those opportunities when they present themselves. Yeah. I mean, I don't doubt you had much, much, much more experience in the media than I did. I mean, again, I'm still an undergrad, but... Well, you know, I was just really lucky in that I had access to training. And even within the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, they encourage dietitians to hone their media skills. And so I went through some trainings why. with the Dietetic Association as well. And I think a lot more businesses and and professions really encourage their employees to hone those skills so that they can be better ambassadors for whatever organization they're working for. Yeah, um, so obviously, you know, you're very involved with the media. Um, when you're doing the show, do you have any favorite, like, radio shows or podcasts that are inspirations for you as far as how you do things or how you structure the show? That's a really interesting question. I love radio. And I, I read a quote about it being a really intimate source of communication. There's something about it, and there are certain radio shows that are my favorites. Um, I love This American Life. I mm -hmm. love radio documentary. I love Terry Gross's interviews. I love the Diane Rehm show. Um, although I don't have call-ins, you know, the format of Food Food Radio is it's just 28 minutes. So it's more along the lines of Terry Gross in that I just do an interview with someone and I don't have an opportunity for call-ins. Um, I, I wish that there are times that I, I wish I did have that capability because I love fielding questions from people. I think me too, know, definitely. Up, yeah, you know, opening up the conversation to listeners I think is really important. I try to provide that opportunity with a Facebook page that I have attached to the program. And I invite anybody who's, you know, becomes aware of Food Food Radio to go to the Facebook page, sign up, and you'll find out, you know, who my guest is going to be that week. And then if you have any questions or comments about the program, that is the forum for that on Facebook. And then, of course, anybody can email me with any kinds of questions or follow-up. And that can even guide maybe a future show. I, I really enjoy hearing what people have to say, and I appreciate their feedback. Okay. So as far as you know, talking about the structure of the show, um, what made you decide that you wanted to do a guest show specifically? Well, you know, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you know what it's like to have office hours with a professor? You go in and you have this set amount of time when you're alone with this person and you're asking yeah, I've done this a lot. Questions. Yeah. 
right? So that's the way I look at the program. It's like we've got 30 minutes together, or 28 to be exact, and I want to know about that person's work. I want to know how they got there. You know, the, the interviews don't have a format so much as they really are a conversation. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I think doing the podcast or doing the radio program has helped me be a better listener. You know, I think most of us, we're not really taught how to be good listeners, and it takes a lot of skill and training. I'm not there yet. I'm still learning, but I appreciate the opportunity to hone those skills with the program. Um, I'm sorry, I lost track of your question. No, it's okay. I was just talking about um, what made you decide you wanted to do a guest show, but if I could, like, add some input here... um... While I was doing research for setting up my YouTube channel, I saw a couple of things. I think I'll link to them in the blog post that goes along with this podcast. But a bunch of people just talking about the importance of narrative in YouTube videos, but I think in all media. And I think that when you do an interview, you kind of get that automatically. You have two people talking to each other. It's hard almost to not get a story out of that. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, what I tell my guests, because sometimes I think you'll find in doing a podcast or any kind of interview format, people are nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're oh, believe me, I'm nervous right now. <laughs> they're afraid of, you know, maybe not answering the question as well as they could have. Or, And I always try to put my guests at ease. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to tell them, just pretend it's you and me. And we are sitting in a coffee shop, we're having a conversation about a subject that we both love and are interested in, and we just, our listeners are just listening in. Yes. So it's just you and me, but we've got people who are listening into the conversation, maybe at another table. And I think that helps put people at ease. It's very important to do that with your guests. Yes, definitely. I couldn't agree more about it just being a conversation. So, um... Since you have guests, like, how do you decide or find people that you want to interview? How does the contact process work? Because as someone who's doing an interview show, that's been one of the big difficulties for me mm. is the process of getting in touch with and contacting people. But obviously, you have more connections, but even just deciding who to feature on the show, how that goes yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is a great question. Um, I... Gosh, the interview, the interview sources come from all different areas. So I go to a lot of meetings. I go to a lot of conferences. As a, as a media producer, as a writer, I also write and I speak. So I go to a lot of professional conferences. For example, I, I just got back from the Beyond Pesticides Forum in Portland, Maine. In fact, that's where I was probably two hours or three hours ago. Oh, I was, wow. I was, I was on a plane traveling back from that meeting. Well, thank you but for after, making time to come in and do this. Goodness. No, it's, it's my pleasure. And um, it's really important, I think, for more voices. You know, in order to preserve our democracy, we need many voices in the media, not just those that are brought to us by commercial commercial stations. Absolutely. In order to have a real democracy, we need everyone's voices, everyone to have access to the airwaves. So um, I will hear people speak or present, or I may even read an article, or something will come across my desk, and I'll think, wow, that's a really interesting study. I am going to contact the author and see if they would like to talk about their research. 
Um, prior to this meeting in Portland, Maine, where I met wonderful researchers who are looking at the role of pesticides and how pesticides hurt people and plants and organisms in the soil and in our gut. You know, I, I just think it's horrible that so many toxins are applied to our earth. And I want to help people think more clearly about what that really means long term for future generations. But so I'll find people there who I'll schedule the interview. Um, before that, I was at a meeting of the Association of Healthcare Journalists, and I heard a wonderful dentist speak about getting, uh, having people gain access to dental care. Now, this is an area of real injustice, where people don't have access to dental care. And here am I, I'm a dietitian, and I tell people, you know, eat more fruits and vegetables. Well, you know what? You can't eat fruits and vegetables if you don't have teeth. Yeah. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why our society doesn't provide access to basic health care, including mental health and dental health to everyone to yes. have a more productive society. So I will be, I contacted the dentist I, right after she gave her talk. I went up to her, I gave her my card. I said, you know, I would love to have you be my guest to talk about the great work you are doing in trying to get people access to dental care. And she was thrilled because she loves what she's doing and she wants to get the word out. So I look at this opportunity for people to get their voices out to a larger number to help improve the, pe the quality of people's lives, you know, and help improve the quality of our health. We don't have health. If we don't have our health, we don't have anything. And protecting our environment is part of that, prote protecting our health. So it all comes together with what I try to do with the program. Yeah. So, um, when you go into record an interview or even just preparing for the interview, well, first of all, what is the planning process like? Like, mm. kind of That's focusing on like question. what you're going to ask? Because I prepare for every interview like I am studying for a test. I feel like I owe it to my guests to be prepared. Um, if they're an author of a book or an author of an article, I will read as much of the book and I will comb the article so that I and I, so that I understand what they've what they've done and that will lead to questions and of course I usually go in with more questions than we have time to answer because one thing leads to another um, if I, I interviewed uh, a guy one of my favorite interviews was with a gentleman who believe it or not photographed the inside of people's refrigerators and he would stop strangers on the street and say could I photograph the inside of your refrigerator and you wouldn't believe how many people said yes no. and he actually did a photo series of these refrigerator shots well I think art is critical to social movements and I should say that the other element to this program is promoting social and environmental justice I yes. think that that is a very important part of improving the world is is is, um, is providing social and environmental justice. We're working towards that. In the, for me, because my work is in food, I apply that to the food system. So what I loved about his project was he showed what the insides of people's refrigerators looked like, the kinds of foods they had access to, and why. So a, a beautiful, well-stocked refrigerator might have belonged to somebody who had joined a CSA, a Community Supported Agriculture Project. Um, 
somebody who just had styrofoam leftover containers, maybe they were single working nights, mm-hmm. um, maybe on a very limited income, you know, they didn't have access to good food. That story needs to be told too. Yes. Why don't you have access to good food? So that we can fix these things on a policy level and help support compassion and empathy rather than judgment. Yes. And as far as the recording process, like, do you have a routine or um, a usual system for that? Well, I'm really lucky in that I have a producer who happens to be my husband. So, and other people who have programs, um, they, many of them work with producers. Um, They may or may not be married to them. I'm very lucky that I have that situation, but my husband is very technologically savvy, so I can focus solely on the interview and preparing for the interview, and he does all the taping on the on the radio board, the soundboard. And maybe it's unfair, you know, maybe there are people who do it all, and maybe they would be better interviews because I'm only a piece of this larger production. Oh, no, believe me, if someone offered to do the tech aspect of this podcast for me, I'd marry them. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. It's a, I'm really grateful for that because it... It enables me to focus on what I do best. Yes. And and studying for the interviews, it takes a lot of time. When I get done with an interview, I feel like I have just uh, done a presentation. It's like a performance. It's like if there's such there's such focus involved in the interview that I am exhausted when I'm done. Absolutely. I mean, you know, with this show especially, I try to keep it just really, really low stress. And like you said, like, it's just like a conversation, but there is stress involved. I think no matter what you do, just with the knowledge of the people who are listening. Exactly. And you want to do your guest the service of being prepared because they're giving you their time. Yes. So precious. So how would you characterize the response that you've gotten to the show and the podcast? Well, I'll tell you how we ended up becoming syndicated is we had a wonderful listener who called up and said, you know, I love your show. You you guys really need to syndicate this. So once again, you know, being somewhat, um, I shouldn't say I'm totally technologically ignorant. I mean, I can do a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> pretty well. And um, I can, you know, I work on the computer. I, I do Word documents. But my, my strength is in the written and spoken word. That's really where I, those are my skills. That's my skill set. And so I love to write. I love to speak. Um, but uh, this, the having someone help do that production is really helpful. So we go into the studio and we tape the program and my husband even goes so far as to edit out. Um, you know, people, myself included, there might be some stuttering, there might be, um, you know, long gaps. You can hear me say, um, he'll cut mm-hmm. some of those out. So it just makes it easier. So anyway, I, I forgot your question. Now I'm going back to it. How did it, how did it, what was the response? So we got this call from this guy who said, you know, we, I love your show. You really ought to syndicate it. So my husband, of course, did all the work that went involved with the syndication process. 
So he got it established. Because we are a Pacifica station, we were, we were able to make that available to other Pacifica stations. And I'd say about 20 to 30 stations that we know of downloaded every week now. And then we have one or two stations that grab it off of public radio exchange. But he's responsible for doing all of that work for me. And then I have a wonderful volunteer at the radio station who likes the program, who um, helps me get it out on iTunes. He posts it there for me. He does all the posting on the radio station's Facebook page. So one, I, I know people do it alone. One person can go it alone, but it's a lot more professional. If you're not, yes. If you can get people with other skill sets to help. Absolutely. So if you could describe the goal of your show, I mean, I know you've talked about it, but like, do you have like a specific mission statement you want to share, like what you're thinking when that record button goes? Absolutely. So my goal is to help people think beyond their place. We are so focused on ourselves. You know, we are so focused on how what we eat affects us. And the food system affects, has so many ripple effects. So every show that I start out with, I explain that Food Foods Radio helps us think beyond our plates. And that my mission is to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. So it's misbusting, it's dot connecting, and it's helping people be a lot more compassionate about everyone who is affected in the food system. Which is everyone, because we all eat. (laughs) And we all live on the planet. And we all live on this planet. That's right. And our food choices impact food workers, people who are in the field, who are largely voiceless and nameless and faceless. Uh, The food system affects the water that we drink, how we produce our food, if we produce food through industrial methods. We're likely to see chemicals being applied or animals being abused. And people need to know what is connected to that food. What is behind or beyond the food on their plate? Yes. And do you see yourself taking the podcast in any new directions in the future to kind of take that mission further? The podcast and the radio show, excuse me. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, You know, I'm always trying to promote it so that more stations will download it. That my goal is to get more people to hear it. Yes. Uh, so that they can be exposed to some of these amazing people that speak, that are willing to speak with me every week. Um, I just got a call actually from a friend of mine who I met at the Association of Healthcare Journalists, who's a nurse, who's done, also done a lot of media work, and she's got a radio program through um, in New York City, and she said, you know, a lot of times, I've got 30 minutes. I'd like to air your program on my radio program. Would you mind? It's like, no, of course not. I would love for you to do that. So I think a big part and something that I love doing is networking with my colleagues that work for public health and food justice. And so, you know, I, I put it out there and hope that more people will download it. I need a lot more skills I, in marketing. I don't know um, how how to go beyond or how to be a better marketer. So I'm always trying to learn how to do that. Yeah, and in my eyes, you're such a, you have such a successful show that, you know, obviously you must be an excellent marketer, but I guess, you know, we always have something more to learn. Yeah, right, yeah. always. There's always more to learn, definitely. 
All right. Well, thank you for coming on to the show. Um, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. It is my pleasure, Sydney. I'm so glad. I'm very honored that you were interested in this program. And if you or your listeners have any questions about the program, you're more than welcome to put my email address attached to this interview. And I'm more than happy. I, I love what I do, and I, I love the subject. I'm always looking for ideas. So please stay in touch with me. I, I wish you the best in all of your work in podcasting, too. Thank you, and I wish you the best as well. That was Melinda Hemmelgarn, host of KOPN's Food Sleuth Radio, and this has been Behind the Podcast. You can find Food Sleuth Radio in podcast form at kopn.org and on iTunes, and you can find this ending music, Heat Haze by Lee Rosevere, on Music for Podcast 2 by Lee Rosevere from Happy Puppy Records. Special thanks to Melinda Hemmelgarn, of course, and to Professor Beth Austin and Toro Booker-Fisher for making this completely non-monetized podcast a reality. If you have a podcast and you'd like to be featured on the show, you can contact me on Twitter at SydneyOnAir, on WordPress at boldlypodcasting.wordpress.com, or email me at sydneypodcasting26 at gmail.com. Till next time on Behind the Podcast.